How's that? Good? Am I blowing anybody's eardrums out? If so, tough. It's Christmas. You know, when our children were young, we would read to them every night. It's one of our favorite things to do. We'd get out the books, and we still have books that are sentimental because we would read to them every night. But their favorite stories weren't the ones that were found in the book. What do you think they were? It was when we made up stories. Now, why was it that those were so popular? My mom still does this. I remember her telling stories where it's got C-Bob, S-Bob, and um, E-Bob. And that was always their favorite stories because they were the main characters of the story. You know, at this point, they weren't even capable of authoring a story when they're so little. But when we, the authors, wrote them into the story, their interest level spiked. And they were all ears. They were a part of what was happening. You know, it's similar when we think of our faith in God. That we love to read and learn from the stories contained in the Bible. We love them, right? I mean, they're dear to us. But the story that we're most interested in is the story that's currently being authored. Because we're a part of that story. You know, as adults, we come to the painful realization that our ability to author the story, it's limited. I mean, there's only so much you and I can do to influence our circumstances. But we certainly can seek out and perform the role that God has called for us to play in his larger story. Today we're going to talk about a young woman who saw God at work. She was presented with a unique role to play in God's story. And then she had to choose how she would respond to this invitation. Turn with me to Luke chapter 1. We're going to be reading verses 26 through 38 this morning. And we're going to have a real encouraging message today. Luke chapter 1 beginning in verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David, the virgin's name was Mary. So God sent Gabriel to Galilee to speak to Mary. What, look, what, the, the, what the Apostle Luke is doing right here is he's highlighting the fact that the birth of Jesus was a fulfillment of prophecy. It says that she was a virgin. Isaiah 7, 14 says that the virgin will be with child and will, and will bear um, a son. Also, she is marrying, now she herself wasn't a descendant of David, but Luke goes to incredible detail at the beginning of the book saying that Joseph was a descendant of David, which is also a fulfillment of prophecy. So in other words, Luke is pointing out to us that what is about to happen is a part of God's plan that we talked about a few weeks ago to solve man's problem. He alluded to it in Genesis Chapter 3, this is the rescue plan that the enemy tried so hard to foil throughout human history that we talked about last week. Continuing on in verse 28. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. So he's saying, Mary, you're highly favored. You've been noticed by God. The Lord is with you. And so the first point this morning is that Mary saw the evidence. Clearly, something was up. Huh? Something was happening. God had sent an angel to speak to her. So God was up to something. She saw the evidence. And there was no doubt in Mary's mind at this point that God is at work. 
But verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. She was greatly troubled and wondered what this meant. Now, historically, someone who had been chosen by God for a special purpose would have given mixed reviews. I mean, there was excitement at, at being used by God and partnering with God and knowing God in a special way. But often, there was regular hardship and there were life-threatening, uh, there's life-threatening resistance. So they would have given mixed reviews. So she's a little bit concerned. Later upon becoming pregnant, her life is immediately in danger. Only through God's intervention in a dream does she even survive. I mean, it would have been a bad deal to be an unwed mother in, in, in Israel at that time. Her life would have been, would have been in danger. Then shortly after Jesus' birth, as we discussed last week, their lives were again in jeopardy because of Herod. And then in Luke 2.35, Simeon foreshadows the brutal death of her newborn child by telling Mary that a sword will pierce her own soul too. So she knows that God's at work and that God is speaking to her, but she's troubled, you know. She's right to be a little bit concerned. Verse 30, but the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. And somehow what the angel is communicating in this verse changes things for Mary. At first she's very concerned. She's troubled. I mean, when you're called by God to do something special and specific, a lot of times it comes with consequences. It comes with hardship. It comes with periods of waiting and even suffering. But he says, you have found favor with God. And this response does more than just comfort her. It blesses her. Later in verses 46 through 49, she says, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. And you know, the truth is, whether you and I realize it or not, we also we're in a humble state. I mean, when we're young, we feel so big and bad, and like we, we've got the, the world by the tail. And as we get older, we realize we don't have as much influence. We don't have as much power. And we, and we have sin in our lives. And we also, like Mary, are in a humble state. But when we realize that God not only notices us, but he wants to bless us, we're moved just like Mary was moved. I mean, she's just a simple girl living in a, in a poverty-stricken place. And God noticed her in her humble state. And he addressed her personally. And she has found favor with God. Can you imagine the feeling of being overlooked your entire life? But being noticed by God. And not just noticed as we'll see. God has something specific in mind for her to do. And so she says, I am blessed. You know, when God called us to the mission field, we had no idea what would be in store for us. We spent a number of years abroad. And truth be told, if we had known all the things that were going to transpire, we probably would have declined the invitation. But the funny thing is, is that when God calls us to go do something specific, and we ignore all the what-ifs, because there's plenty of them, right? What if this happens? What if that happens? Many times we have people say, what if your child gets sick? You know, what if the government arrests you? What if, what if, what if? And the temptation is to give in to the what ifs and give up. 
in retrospect, the, the valuable experiences that we gained and also the precious memories that we now have as a family are all worth it. And so Mary is blessed. She truly is blessed. You know, it's similar when God asks you or I to do something. If we allow our hearts to be blessed by the calling that God notices us and choose not to dwell on all the what-ifs, then it's likely that you and I will also have valuable experiences and precious memories to look back on. Verse 31. You will be with child and give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. So through Mary, God is going to initiate his rescue mission through the birth of a divine child king. This descendant of David will begin a never-ending dynasty. You know, the fact that we still know and praise the name of Jesus today, it's, it's nothing short of miraculous. Think of where he was born in humble beginnings himself. There's no reason that we should even know the name of Jesus. And the only way that we could is if what Scripture says about him is true. Think about that. And so secondly, we see this morning, as is put forth in these verses, that Mary had a unique role to play. Mary had a unique role to play. But here's her response, verse 34. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? I mean, you're saying I'm going to have the Son of God as my child, but, but I'm not even married. So she's saying, I'm the wrong person for this role. I'm not even married. Do you know what's going to happen to me if I show up pregnant? Me and my life will be in danger. Why not choose a married woman to bear the Savior? I mean, that, that, that would have been what, what maybe she was thinking, huh? If, if you choose a married woman and then she gets pregnant, then nobody tries to stone her. And then, then the husband can just say, hey, that wasn't me, that was God. But that's not the way God chose to do it. We know that was for, for, for a lot of specific reasons. But she's just saying, hey, God, I'm the wrong person for this role. You know, I'll never forget the first time I spoke to a group of middle school students in a firehouse in Covington to a youth group. I had carefully prepared two pages of notes. And you know how long those notes lasted? Five minutes. It was so bad that the youth minister actually stood up and said, you know, I think God has something else for you to say. <laughs> and so I got back up there and I ended up blubbering and crying. It was, it was pitiful. And at the end of that talk, I, I felt confident that God certainly had no future for me in public speaking. Absolutely not. But he's got a sense of humor. Because the truth is that God often calls you and I into roles that are both out of our comfort zone and beyond our ability at the time. And he wants us to grow into the things that he's called us to. But when he calls us, it's out of our comfort zone. And when he calls us, it's beyond our ability. And in this case, he is certainly asking something of Mary that's way out of her comfort zone. And beyond her ability. I mean, she's not even married. It's not even a possibility. Had you asked Mary or Joseph whether they were qualified to parent the Son of God... I'm pretty confident what their answer would have been. But called they were. Verse 35. 
The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. So God's going to have to do something unexpected and supernatural in order to accomplish this. But for you and I, do we really believe in our day and time that God is capable of doing the unexpected or the supernatural? Are we kind of boxed in by our experiences, boxed in by all the limitations we experience in our lives? Do we really believe that God is capable of doing the unexpected or the supernatural? You know, Mary herself struggled with this. While riding along with a police officer this week, I began to feel overwhelmed with the challenges facing our society. I was out with Officer Green. And if you listen to the officers, and it's funny because they just, they're, they'll say to you, no big deal. Oh, I just deal with this stuff every day. I don't take it home. It doesn't bother me. But then the, the content of their conversation, story after story after story after story, I began to feel depressed. And so as we were skirting around the sentiment of hopelessness, what did encourage me was the officer did that good thing, that thing that good men do when the outlook is bleak. After sharing story after story of hardship and heartache and difficult circumstances, he just kind of got this look on his face. And he said, but that's okay. I'm going to keep doing my part. Every day I'm going to keep doing my part to make the world a better place. In spite of all the hard things, in spite of all the criminal activity, in spite of everything that's against me, and there's a lot against our brothers in blue in this time, worse than I've ever seen. But he's going to keep doing his part to make things better. And in this story, when the chips were down, while occupied and subjugated by a foreign power, Mary is presented with a similar opportunity. Things are not good in Israel. There are the Romans are in charge, but she's given an opportunity to just to do her part. She, does, she can't change everything. I mean, she, she's just a simple girl. She's a poor girl. She can't change everything, but she can do her part, the part that God has called her to play. Verse 36. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be barren is in her sixth Month, for nothing is impossible with God. So you see the angels building a case. There hasn't been, you know, she hasn't refused the offer. But she's offered some objections. You know, I'm not the right person for this God. How can this be? How can this be your plan? So the angel says, look at Elizabeth, your cousin. God has intervened on her behalf. So he's challenging her to believe by saying nothing is impossible. With God, this miraculous thing that's going to happen to you that seems impossible, it's possible. Because with God, nothing is impossible. She had seen the evidence that God was at work. Gabriel revealed that she had a unique role to play. And he explained that God was going to do something unexpected and supernatural to accomplish this. And now is the important part. He waits. You see this in Scripture a lot. The message is delivered. The invitation is offered. And then the angel waits for her response. This is the pregnant pause. Come on, that was funny. <laughs> the pregnant pause. This is the pregnant pause. He waits for her response. So thirdly, Mary has a choice to make. Mary has a choice to make. Will she believe the evidence? She's seen it. 
clearly? Will she believe the evidence and will she accept her role? And there are plenty of reasons for her to hesitate or outright reject the offer. Wrong person, wrong place, wrong time. Lots of reasons, but let's look at her response. Verse 38. She simply says, I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. So firstly, she says, I am the Lord's servant. What's she saying there? She's saying, this isn't about me. This isn't about me. I mean, no complaints, no negotiating, no, no um, caveats, no, no adjustments. I am the Lord's servant. This isn't about me. May it be to me as you have said. And what's she saying there? She's saying, not only is this not about me, it's about you, but I'm willing to play my part, Lord. Whatever it means, whatever it costs, I'm in. May it be to me as you have said. So why did she respond this way? Firstly, I think, I believe she realized what was at stake. I mean, things were not well in Israel. Hundreds of years of silence. And then God appears. God reveals himself to her. He reveals that he's about to do something important. This is part of his rescue plan. And he's got a role for her in her humble state to play. She realized what was at stake. And then secondly, she had been invited into the story that God was offering. And she was blessed. And she didn't know the future. She didn't know all the details. She couldn't answer all the what-ifs because there are a lot of what-ifs. There was a lot of danger. But her response was that she was willing. So the big idea today is that God invites man into the story that he himself is authoring. Just like we talked about at the beginning. My children love the stories. But the story that grabbed their attention, the story that gripped their hearts and their imagination, and, gave, and then they were willing to participate, it was a story that involved them. Because the author had invited them into the story that he himself was offering. And that's what's happening here. And so the main point today is that our significance, and don't we all want to feel significant? Don't we all want to be important? We want to matter to somebody. But the sad thing is, is that we look for that significance all in the wrong place. Looking for love in all the wrong places, right? We're looking for significance in all the wrong places. But the lesson today is that our significance is found in God's story. You want to be significant? You want to live a life that matters? You want to live a life that makes a difference? Focus on God's story and pray and accept his invitation into his story. Mary's significance was found in God's story. Joseph's significance was found in God's story. The Magi's significance was found in God's story. Elizabeth and Zechariah, John the Baptist's parents, their significance was found in God's story. Anna and Simeon, they just played a little bit part, but their significance was found in God's story. Even Herod, the villain, his significance was found in God's story, the truth is the reason we still know their names today is because they played a unique role in God's rescue mission for mankind. We wouldn't even know who they are otherwise. These are just these are a bunch of nobodies. The only reason we know their names 
is because of the role they played in God's story and in God's rescue plan. So if you and I want to live a life of significance, if we want our lives to matter, then we need to pay close attention to God's story and the role that he wants us to play. So today, first question, have you seen the evidence that God is at work? Do you believe that God is at work in your world, in your life, in your family, in your community? Do you even believe that God is, is up to something? Or are you starting to get discouraged? You see a lot of negative things. So do you believe? Have you seen the evidence? Number two, do you understand your unique role that God's asked you to play in his story? And I would encourage you to pursue it until you do. Figure it out. Pray. God reveals me. What is it you want me to do so that we can respond as Mary did? Number three, have you made your choice? Have you decided like Mary did? God, whatever it is, whatever it takes, I am the Lord's servant. This isn't about me. I'm willing to play my and then lastly, what story do you want to be able to tell? You know, when you look back on your life, do you want to be able to tell a story that at this point God asked me to do something and I responded? At this point God called me to do something and I responded? At this point God convicted me of something and I responded? Is that the story you want to be able to tell to your children and grandchildren so that you can leave a heritage? Because just like we've talked about earlier, when God calls us to do something, there's plenty of what ifs. But he has a role for you and I to play in his story. And we can be blessed and we can leave behind a heritage to the people that we care about the most. We can tell them a story that's all about God's story. And our prayer for our children and grandchildren and our loved ones is that they would find their significance in the only place that matters. And not go looking everywhere else. So what if you and I became aware of the evidence and chose to believe? What if we pursued an understanding of our unique role in the story that God is offering? What if we made a conscious decision to play our part? What if in retrospect, looking back, we had a story to tell and a heritage to bestow on our children and grandchildren? You know, one of my favorite talks puts forth the idea that life is not about us making our mark. And that's what we're tempted to do. Hey, this is about me. This is, I, need, I need that house. You know, I need that bank account. I need that recognition at work. I need that business acumen. I need, I need that person's affection. I need something. I need to make my mark on this earth so people will remember me when I'm gone. But it's about God making his mark through us. This provided a fundamental shift in my thinking and was clearly the focus of each of the characters mentioned in this story, except here. So let us depend on God to perfectly position us so that he can make his mark through us. Because you have two choices. We can live our lives and try to make our mark, and we're going to run around, and we're going to do everything we can to get what we need or get what we think we want. Or we can say, God, this is about you, just like Mary did. This is about your story. What part do you want me to play in that? And I'm willing, whatever that means. And then we'll have a story to tell that matters. Pray with me. God, we love you so much and we're so grateful for who you are, that you are a God who throughout history has loved your creation. And even when we screwed up and we blew it and we
relationship with you, God, even then you had a plan. You had a plan to deal decisively with sin. And you overcame all the resistance throughout history. The enemy has tried his best to thwart your plan, and he has been incapable. In the end, he's proved impotent. But God, we're so grateful that you have invited us through Jesus into your story. And we want to make Jesus the main character in our personal individual story so that we don't go looking for significance elsewhere, but that we would find our significance, God, in your story. So I pray that as we celebrate this Christmas, as we begin this new year, that that would be our battle cry, that we want to be about your story. It's in Jesus' name I pray.